One? Okay, couple. You weren't here last night? You weren't either, right? All right. Um, we're talking about leadership, and uh, I'm covering seven different things that leaders usually do or should do. And last night we covered three of them, not quite three, and tonight we want to cover four more. Um, last night we talked about leaders are give people a good example. They're examples. Leaders give people a greater purpose. And then the uh, third one we talked about was affirming people for their potential. We're in the middle of that one, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. All right, what did we talk about on the way home last night? Did anybody uh, uh, have preacher for the way home or the topic guy? What did you learn? Did you learn anything? Did you forget everything I said? What was the highlight? Uh, what do you want to do better at? I won't hear from you. Tonight, I'm, I, I, I don't have as much material tonight, so if you aren't going to talk, we're in, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. So um, let's hear from you tonight. I want to see what you remembered. I think it's good to review. I, I think uh, if I talk here all night and you don't remember anything, you don't take anything home with you tonight, there's no reason to come, right? All right. I think my highlight was catching children doing the right thing at home. Yeah. That. You're a dad yet, aren't you? We need that, don't we? <laughs> Why are we so bad at that? Yeah, we, it's so much easier to find the no's and the negatives. Yeah, let's, let's start catching our children. Do you have any school teachers here? There we go. Good. And I think a school teacher, oh, a bunch of them, good. Yeah, I, they're, they're, a school teacher, can, that's so valuable, so valuable. And you, if you don't catch yourself, you can just be negative all day. And, and, but, boy, children remember the positives. Good. What else? Yeah, yeah, and that fits in well with what we've been saying. Yep, an ounce of praise is, say it again, better than a ton of criticism. Mm -hmm. And some of us are about, give out about as many tons of criticism as we do an ounce of praise, right? What else? Yeah, and it's amazing, I think, on how many people have done that because someone in their lives challenged them to try something. And it seems like we just sometimes, oh, I'd like to do this someday in my life. I wonder if I'd be good at this. And all we need is one person to say, did you ever think about it, that you would be good at that? I think you would. You ought to try it. I was thinking about that. And that's just the energy we need to do it, right? And I think some mighty things have happened on this world and in the church because of a person was willing to do that. Yeah. And us as parents, how much can we do that to our children? Good. Some more. What I wanted to remember was the thought of not forcing our children to mold, but helping them to unfold. Unfold. Oh, yeah. I, I got to remember that one, too. Yep. It's, it's so easy as dads, right, to... I think we got our ideas how we want our children to turn out and exactly what we want them to be mothers too and we're going to mold them right like my probably not like me because I'm not very perfect but we have an idea of who's perfect we're going to mold them like that and that's not what God asks us to do he asks us to unfold their potential because we all are different you know I always like to think of the thought if, if we would all be the same on this earth we wouldn't need each other right so God made us all different and we all need each other because we're different. If we all be the same, you know, I wouldn't need my wife. So, uh, that's, uh, 
that's, that's how it is, right? We'd all be the same. We wouldn't need to come to church. We wouldn't need each other. But that's why God made us all different, and we need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with our children doing that too, yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Ladies, don't you just talk here? I think men should be doing most of the talking, though. Take time with your children when you're when they're young. You don't. They won't have time for you when when you're older. Yeah. There's many of grandparents that feel that, and it hurts. And if I would have just spent more time with my children when they're younger, maybe they'd be here for me now. Yeah. We don't want to grow up to regret that, do we? No. Oh. Yeah. I wish someone else would ask. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Anybody want to comment on that? I think we all know there's a time to say no, but when do we? Sometimes when people ask questions, they kind of have a, an idea behind that question. you have anything to comment on that, Chris? Okay. Well, I think you can say no to them when they're small, easier and quicker than you can once they're 12, 15, 18. Yeah. Pretty well lost. Yeah. And that, that's part of, of my next uh, one that I'm going to be talking about. We're going to be talking more about that. I This is kind of my one I, it's, it's the one I like to talk about. I can't wait to get to that one. So uh, trust people with responsibility. Okay, more. I like this. It's, it's good to review. In that case, it's well for us to be consistent and not over that. Yeah. Mm hmm Yep. How was challenged with the thought that um, to encourage our children to, to be friends, not just that everybody has to cater to them? Yeah. That's hard. As a parent, you know, I'm a good parent if I pity my children, right? That's what we think sometimes. And it's, it's hard to be tough. It's, it's hard to tell your children, hey, it's sometimes it's your job to be the friend, not to expect everybody to come to you. And, and you still need to pity your children. There's a point to do that. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we don't pity our children at all when they come home crying from school and saying the children didn't play with them. But I, I think once we, if we make that point to them clear from the beginning, they're not going to be looking for being mistreated. They're not going to be looking for the child that's making fun of them and all that. Some children just tend to catch that all the time. They, they just notice it every time when someone's mean to them. And the next children, that just seems to bounce off of a little more. Yeah. Good. I like this discussion. Do we have more? Okay. That's great. Maybe we'll, if we run out of uh, things, we'll discuss again maybe afterwards that we have. We are talking about encouragement last night, and uh, I had four more ways how to encourage that I wanted to, to finish that part on uh, how to affirm people for their potential. And so how do we do that? I think one of them has, is, is the first one I have here, it needs to be real. And I think most of us have, have had times when people gave us kind of a, a flattery comment that we, you know, you know now, now what do you want? And that's not what our encouragement is, you know. An, an encouragement needs to be something that we don't expect nothing back from it. I sincerely mean it from my heart, and I want to help you. And I think our encouragements need to be real. It's not manipulative. It's not something that, all right, I'm going to give you encouragement now. Um, 
oh boy, you had the, I just heard about a really good meal that you had here at your house, you know, and um, I'd love to have it sometime, you know, uh, you know, when are you going to invite us over, you know, or something like that, you know. Um, you know, that, that we, we don't, we, we need to watch that our encouragements aren't manipulative. They need to be regular. Don't be stingy with your encouragements. And I, I, if any of these topics are for me, it's probably this one. And I, I got a really problem with, with, with encouragement, big problem with that. My wife would probably uh, confirm that. I always got this thing. If I give the encouragement too often, they're going to um, slack off. Maybe none of you think that way. Um, you know, my, my poor wife, I, 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 she don't get very much encouragement for meals and things like she should. And so she makes something really good, and, and I really brag her up for it's being really good. And... Guess what? We got that thing two weeks in a row because she just doesn't get encouraged very often. It's just such a blessing. Maybe she'll get one for two weeks straight. So she will have a you know, certain kind of spaghetti for two weeks straight. No, it's not quite that bad, but just sometimes it is. But yeah, let's be more um, regular with our encouragement. Let's, let's do it all the time. You know, let's, let's not be stingy. You know, I, I think the same way with my employees. And you know, if I keep telling them that they're going to be a good employee, that they're going to slack off and think, oh, he really thinks I'm good, so I don't have to. Um, he's thinking pretty good. You know, I, I got this thing in the back of my mind. If I keep them under the pressure, is the boss thinking they're good enough? Or you know, with my children, you know, are their grades good enough? They got to keep trying. I don't know. I, some of you dads know what I'm talking about. I don't know why I do that, but that's, that's sometimes our problem, that we don't want to give encouragement often enough. I think it's our way of, of controlling the people under us, and that's not leadership. A leadership just flows regularly with his, with his encouragement, and his, that's one I really need to learn to do more. And I don't care if people, I, I shouldn't worry about if a person thinks that um, I'm doing good enough. I, you know, sometimes I just want people to think they should keep doing better for me. Let's not be that way. Needs to be recognizable, be specific. Um, I, I think, I, I think um, you know, we don't just say, "Oh, I like you." And what do you like? I think we need to pick out certain points about people. And I know something. My wife told me that my my family she really appreciates about my side, and that she didn't have as much when she's growing up. But I don't know about you, but do you ever go down the road and, and, and talk about people's um, makeup? Oh, they're really pretty, or they got nice hair, or, or I like their face features, or, or they're skinny. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that's something that we should be telling our children is important. You know, we should be recognizing things. That is neat how they went and helped that child that just fell. You know, that was, I, I, I really thought, did you notice how, how um, Benji today, the, that was walked beside that old lady and helped her, took her hand and took her out. You know, those are the things that we should be recognizing in, in people, uh, in our children, and, and, and uh, in each other. I think it's too bad when we, we recognize them for something that they can't really help. They got pretty hair. Well, it's, it's not really something you can, I, mean, I know there's times you can you tell your wife that maybe and things like that, but I think we need to watch ourselves that we don't do that a lot to our children or, or go down the road. That's a pretty looking family or cute children or, no, it's all right to say cute children, but not a lot. You know, let's, let's recognize them as they just look like a neat family. They, they just look like they get along and they're happy and things. That's the things we need to recognize. And I think if our children see us recognize and our employees sees what's, that tells us what's important in us in our lives. And as they're growing up, you know, that becomes important to us. You know, to my, my family, it wasn't about my looks that my mom appreciated me about. It was about other things. And I, I think uh, 
we need to do the same thing. What are our children hearing us encourage other people about? And I think we need to uh, do that. Any comments on that? I think that's so important. Sometimes write it down. You know, we say, well, I, I told her. I, 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 I've told her many a times, but I think there's times we need to write things down. There's something special about as pastors or a boss when someone just writes you a note or emails it to you. You know, they took a little bit more time. Words are pretty easy to, to give, but I think writing it down sometimes is, is, is harder and, and oftentimes more appreciated. So don't be afraid to do that. Um, even us as men, we need to do that. Paul wrote letters to the churches. Do you, you know why, why was he writing those letters? Did, because he thought they were going to be part of the Bible? Probably not. They were probably words of encouragement to the churches. Do you ever think of that? The letters that Paul probably wrote were probably words of encouragement to the churches, instruction and encouragement and how he can help them. And uh, I think we kind of lose out on that there because of our uh, communication in other ways. But I think it's neat that it can be written down. Okay, going to the fourth one now. Trust people with responsibility. I told you this is the one I really enjoy. I don't know if it's because I'm a lazy dad or not that I like to teach my children responsibility and I just let them go do it. And, um, I don't know, but uh, I, I think there's, there's so much to that. And I think our world is lacking and we're having a, a, a younger generation of people that aren't taught responsibility. It's amazing how our society is, is losing out on this. And I think there's something beautiful about trusting um, a leader who will do that and as parents, as a, as a church leader, as a, a, a boss, and as employees, he will trust his people with responsibility. And we all like that. You know, it's scary. We kind of like Moses, nah, God, I can't do that. But back behind, we all like to be trusted with responsibility. And I think that's something that uh, is important in developing uh, leadership skills in your life and in the children and in the people under you. Nothing develops you faster than having someone trust you with responsibility. That, that just that makes you grow up. And uh, you know, we want our children to grow up, I guess. Sometimes I wonder. I, I found these, I find these parents that are these dictators that are so manipulative, they're trying to control their children, don't let their children make any decisions. I wonder sometimes if the parents are like that because they never want their children to get better than them, or smarter than them, or no more than them. I think it's sometimes the pride behind some people that they don't let their children grow up. I'm going to keep you <clears throat> under my hands and my feet at all time. You're not getting above me. You're not going to learn more than me. You're going to always do what dad says. And I, I think that's too bad. We, sometimes we, we, I think there's a, a good way to teach our children to grow up, to learn responsibility, to become leaders. The church needs it. And, and, and the world, it's, it's, it's horrible. They're going to college and they have no goals in mind in going to college. They're coming home. They're living with mom and dad. They don't want to get married because it's responsibility. I'm not, don't, don't come to me and start preaching to me that our people should wait till they're older to get married. Maybe that's okay. But I, 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 I wonder, I, I wonder, and I'm not saying my children need to start dating at 16 and 18, but you look at our trend, and, I, and I, it's a little bit in the beachy churches too. We are waiting till we're 28, 30, and I'm not, I'm not being demeaning to anybody that's gonna wait that old to get married, but I, I think some of our men do not wanna take the responsibility of commitment in marriage because it's hard work. And I think that's sad. I know that's the world's problem. 
you know, I'm not, I gotta get to college, I got all this debt, I don't wanna have a lady to take care of, I don't want children to take care of yet, we gotta get all my debt paid off, and I gotta be stable, I wanna do all this stuff. Why? They don't wanna take responsibility. They don't want commitment. And I'm afraid it's infiltrating our churches a little bit. Just a thought. But I think that said, you know, you're agreeing? Someone say amen? I think so. So yeah, how do we teach our children responsibility? I read a little, as I was studying for this, I had this one man said that he always had difficulty getting his children to do things. See, he, he's supposed to mow the yard, and, uh, and he didn't get the yard mowed. So, you know, he could holler and scream at his son, get your yard mowed, you know, it's your job, you're not getting it done. And so finally he got smart. One time he said he wasn't going to say nothing. He said, son, we're going to have grandpa and grandma over tomorrow night. And you know what I'm going to tell them? That is Sean's yard back there. He mows that yard. It's his responsibility. You got to go look at it. He got out there and mowed that yard nice really fast, right? So think about that. We're struggling with our children. We got this little patch of garden that they're supposed to take care of. It. And my wife is telling me today that they're just not getting it weeded. I said, how about telling them tomorrow that mommy's going to come up and check out your garden to see how your popcorn's doing. I'll bet they're going to get those weeds pulled before mommy comes, don't you think? Probably. You know, I, th I think those are some ways that we can teach our children some neat responsibilities, right? Make them accountable. There's, that's, that's, that's your yard. I'm not going to holler at you to tell you to mow it. If you want it to get three weeks and it gets that high, but guess what? When we have company on Sunday, you know, I'm going to tell the people that's my son's job. How you like his yard job? You think they'll start catching on that responsibility is important and get things done? Probably. But, you know, some of us parents, we can't do that. We've got to protect our children from that embarrassment. You know, we, gotta, we would rather keep hollering at them every week and reminding them. Just a thought. I don't think any of us have, a, have that nailed down, do we? How, how many of you, that, that's a job getting our children to work, isn't it? Teaching them? Uh, that's, that's just, I think every parent struggles with that. How do you teach your children responsibility and how to do it? I had an interesting situation with my one daughter, 17, a couple weeks ago. She came home just way too late. And I said, Sandra, that's just way too late. You're grounded for a whole week. Um, no going away to such and such. I forget what, what I said. Dad, you can't do that. You didn't tell me that. You, you didn't say that, I, that I'd be coming home late, and you didn't have all these rules. I said, Sandra, listen. You know I don't want you home at 2 o'clock at night. You know you've been coming home too late. You know that. I'm not going to make all these boundaries and all these rules. You're 17 now. You're growing up. You know what your dad likes and you know what your dad doesn't like. And I'm not going to treat you like a little kid and have all these boundaries. You'd be home at 12 o'clock right on the minute. But I said, when you're going to get out of hand like this, all of a sudden I'm going to fly off and I'm going to sit ground you for a whole week. You know it. So don't just say that. So, I, you know, she didn't really like that. She's like, Dad, make me some boundaries. You know, let me know exactly where the rules are. But I kind of, why did I do that? I kind of want her to think, what would Dad want me to do? How far can I take Dad? She needs to start learning some of that responsibilities. I think sometimes we get, I, boundaries are all right, especially for little children. But I think we need to start tearing some of those boundaries away as our children get older and make them think why they do that. You know, why should I be home at 12 o'clock? Or would dad want me to do this? Or wouldn't mom want me to do this? Does mom want me to get the dishes done then? They need to start thinking that stuff. They don't have to know that, oh, we have to do this much and got to be home exactly that time and we can't date till we're 18 and we can't do this and that, all the boundaries. Because guess what? Someday they're going to get married and you're not going to have any say to that, right? 
And then what are they going to do exactly how they want to? If they can't think through some of those decisions and be responsible, make wise decisions before they're married, it's not all of a going to get better as soon as they get married. So I, I think we need to try to teach our children to learn some of that responsibility and think through what would dad really want? What would the church at Weavertown really want them to do? You know, what are the boundaries in, in being on Facebook and in on the Internet and all that? And, 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 and I'm, yeah, I'm okay with a certain amount of boundaries, but I think as, as, we get, as our children get older, we need to try to tear some of those boundaries away and try to have them think through and develop some. That's a lot of skill in that. It's not easy. But I, I think the safe thing for some of us is to do is if I just keep boundaries for my children all the time, and I'll keep them safe. They'll never do nothing wrong, and they'll never embarrass me, and they'll never fail because they know exactly where the boundaries are. But guess what? Sometimes those children get married, and all of a sudden, they don't know how to handle life without any boundaries. And they just, whoo, there goes their dress, there goes their values and everything because they didn't learn how to do it before. Your thoughts on that? Am I too liberal in there? Liberal in that? I guess where I've really learned to kind of appreciate that is, is when we were at uh, Fair Play, I was a chief at Fair Play, we used to have a bunch of rules at uh, Fair Play. You know, if you did this wrong, you dug a stump, and you did that wrong, you got a spanking, and if you did that wrong, we, we, would, we had, you know, as soon as you did something wrong, you had your consequences. And we ended up finding out that these boys would learn how to play the system. They would be real good so they could get all the rewards at camp, and never, they would never get spankings, and never, because they knew how, exactly where the boundaries were. But as soon as they left camp, all right, I got my freedom. They're out to the same place they were before. And so we started kind of changing the system there at Fair Play when I was there to talk about your problems. You know, why, why was that such an issue for what you did? You know, we're not going to worry about, the, we're not gonna worry about the, uh, the punishment right now. And so we started communicating about the problem and talking about it and, and trying to think them through why did you do that and what, do, what are you going to do to prevent that from happening again and trying to make them accountable. I love natural consequences. They're great. I, I think one of the greatest ways to teach children is natural consequences. My mom loves this story about me. When I was little, I had a litter of chocolate lab puppies, and they told me that she's probably going to get pups tonight. You better go out there and get the heat pad hooked up and get a heat lamp there so that the puppies are nice and warm. And Well, it was cold outside. I didn't want to go outside and get cold, and uh, they probably won't have pups for another day. And, and uh, Mom and Dad knew that. Dad knew she's probably going to get pups. And he could have went out and put the heat lamp there and put the heat pad there and Guess what? I went out tomorrow, next morning, and there, sure enough, 10 dead puppies got too cold. I mean, they weren't worth five, $600 back then, maybe $100, but $600 pretty much to a 13-year-old boy, you know, that's, that's pretty much money. And, uh, but, you know, Mom, she just thought, oh, i got to go out and do it. Dad said, no, I'm going to let him go by himself. He's going to have to learn. So natural consequences are great. You know, it's hard, you know, especially moms. You don't want to see your children fail. That's hard to see your children lose $600. You don't want to see them fail, do we? So we protect them from that there. But I think there's something about that that uh, teaches children faster than anything else. And our employees, you know, as, as bosses and, and people at church, you know, as, as pastors in the church, we just, we, we, we hate the embarrassment. Oh, did you hear what happened out at Shade Mountain? They did such and such. Or, or one of the young guys is up speaking and he, he was really off. And uh, so what? We protect our people. We don't allow our people to make mistakes. And, and I think uh, that's too bad. Comments on it? It is. Yeah. And what's that? 
No, smart people will learn from other people's experiences. But a lot of times it ends up having to be your own. <laughs> some people just tend to, I got to experience that failure myself before I learn. Some, some other people are smart enough to learn from other people's mistakes, but too many times we have to experience something before we learn. And yeah. Going up to the next thing here. Our expectations have an incredible influence on other people. And, uh, you know, I, 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 with, with my children and, and, and expecting them to be able to do things, I, I, I think it's, 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 it's fun, you know. Um, CJ's got a job this winter. He's, he's 14. And he, he was probably one of the lazier ones in the family, but he, he gets up at 6 o'clock every morning. He's downstairs, and he's going out there and getting to work. He's there at 6.30, comes home, and he's just happy. You know, we, we told him he can do it. He can have a five-day-a-week job, and, and he's going for it, and, and he's thriving in it. You know, I, I just, if you would have told me he's going to do that good, I, I wouldn't have thought he could have. But, you know, we told you, here's your job, CJ, go for it. And, and he, it, it's a blessing, you know. I, I think we just hold our children back too much because we don't expect enough. We expect them to be not capable, and then we uh, don't allow them to become who they could be. Our expectations have an incredible influence on others. People tend to live up to what is expected of them. And, uh, you know, we hear that in, in, well, you just do it when you play ball, you know, when you... Uh, play with the young boys, you're just usually not as good. When you play with good competition, you just kind of do better. So I, I think the same way. People tend to live up to what is expected of them. If we expect more of them, they often will do that. Jesus did this in such a, an amazing good way, and, and, and I, I want to keep, I don't want to forget that because that's um, what I'm talking about here in these seven points. In, in Matthew 16, 19, um, this is a verse that talks about giving the keys, and I will give you unto you and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shalt thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You know, we don't give our keys to people very easily, do we? But Jesus has given us, what, the keys of heaven, the, key, the kingdom of heaven? And I, I, I'm not sure what's on this verse, but I, I think what Jesus is saying, I am giving you the capability of doing some amazing things in heaven, and amazing things on this earth. And he, Jesus, I, I, I think is, yeah, when, when I just see how he dealt with his disciples and the things he left them to do. I mean, when he took those disciples, what was it, 72 disciples and sent them out? I mean, they didn't even have the Holy Spirit. And he said, you're going to go out to different towns and you're going to do miracles and you're going to do some amazing things. And, you know, if, if they don't listen to you, take your shoes off and shake them and move on to the next place. I mean, these were young guys that didn't even have the Holy Spirit yet. And... I'm sure they did some embarrassing things as they went out to these towns, but Jesus is all right with that. It was part of his training, right? He sent them out. And, uh, you know, I, it's hard as parents to send our children out to service sometimes, right? And I, mean, I, I think that's, I think it's so neat that the Beachy Church is, is so accepting of that and, and expects, almost expects our children to go out to service. But I, I think it's neat to see these 18, 19, 20-year-old youth going out and going into service and doing some mighty things and making men out of themselves. I, 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 I think that's great. And Jesus does it to us. He has given us the keys. I, I would love to do a study on how, what's involved in that. But uh, you know, when I give my child the keys to the car, that's pretty scary when they turn 16, right? 
but Jesus, in a sense, has given us the keys. What, to heaven? What's in heaven? I don't know. I think that's access to heaven, to prayers, to, to communicate with, with Jesus and tell them our needs, and he's willing to help us out in those. But I, I think, yeah, has done that. Jesus left this earth and made it our responsibility to evangelize the world. You know, think about it. Two years isn't a long time to spend with the disciples and teach them. But he did. He, 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 he spent two years with the disciples, and they weren't refined at all. I, to me, you know, how, how many weeks was that that they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest? They, they still weren't. I mean, Peter was still cutting off people's ears and denying him up to the day he went to the cross. And Jesus was willing to give them the responsibility to evangelize the world. That's, I, I mean, I don't know if I would have had the audacity to do that. Jesus did. He entrusted his disciples with a great responsibility to spread the gospel throughout the whole world. And to us too. And Jesus doesn't have a plan B. He's not going to come back and say, all right, you church, you just didn't do your job. And we've got people over in Africa that still didn't receive the gospel. I'm going to have to come back and do it myself, I guess. And how many times do we say that? Well, if you're not going to do it, then I guess I've got to do it myself. No, Jesus doesn't do that to us. He says, this is your responsibility. It's your job. I'm calling you to this ministry of evangelizing the world. And uh, that's a great trust. You know, it, it's, it's got to be difficult for Jesus to, to see people going to hell every day because somebody on this earth didn't go minister to them. But he continues to put that responsibility on us. But I think we need to see that responsibility. Jesus entrusted us a lot. And he entrusted us to evangelize the world. And some of us can sit comfortably in our own little area and act like, yeah, we're not taking that challenge, are we? Not enough. We talked about it a little bit before, but Jesus even allows us to fail. And I, I think this is, as Jesus walked on this earth, I'm still, and the reason I enjoy this topic is that I'm trying to figure out the leadership of Jesus and, 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 and how he made people so comfortable and was a blessing to the people as he walked on the earth. And I think one of those that made people around him feel comfortable is he, he allowed them to fail. I mean, he made comments like, you know, I really didn't come for the, for the, uh, the whole people. I came for the sick people. Well, that would make you feel pretty comfortable. Good. And I guess I'm included because I sure ain't very whole. I, I, I got a lot of issues. And, you know, Jesus made, he, 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 was, he wasn't uncomfortable with those that were, had issues. He wasn't uncomfortable with those that were less than perfect. In fact, he was uncomfortable with those that thought they were perfect. Those are the people that uh, uh, I think Jesus had a problem with a lot of times. But, yeah, Jesus even allows us to feel. And I, I think we need to do that to people around us, too. It's hard, especially with our children. How about our church people? How about our employees? How about our students? We want to protect people from making mistakes. Then when they fail, we rush to build them out. And uh, I think sometimes we miss a lot of learning experiences because we build our children, employees, students, church people out. Bailing people out prevents them from learning valuable lessons. And, uh, and I, I don't know how to you know, maybe do that in a good way. I, I know there's times that we need to come in there and swamp in and and pick our children up and help them out through situations like that. Um, I'm kind of a tough dad. I don't know if I take pride in it or not, but uh, I'm still dealing with this one. My daughter wrecked my other son's car, and we didn't have full insurance on it. So $5,000, 
Is that going to come out of dad's pocket or my daughter's pocket? Well, luckily she had a litter of puppies, and the puppies now are bringing $600 instead of $100 in my day. And she had all these plans of getting them. She had 10 puppies of $5,000 worth of money that she could kind of spend the way that she wanted. But uh, I told her for now that's going to get us Dwayne to pay for that car. So I don't know. The accident was her fault. It was an accident. I, I do kind of pity her. Maybe I'll pity her yet and bail her out some yet, but uh, I'm not sure. Give me some wisdom. <laughs> do I pay out the 5000 or should she? Or I, 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 don't, I, I don't know, but I, she's going to at least pay some of it, probably most of it. We'll see. She's, I, I told her she's going to pay all of it. So maybe I'll be a nice dad and change my mind. Bailing people out prevents them from learning valuable lessons. I know one thing, when she gets to New Holland Road and Peters Road, I can almost guarantee you she's never going to have an accident there again. She's going to look five times every time when she gets to that intersection. I can almost guarantee that. That, that accident's probably the last time an accident's going to happen at that spot because she's going to look a couple of times. And there's no, yeah, she's not going to be too hurry, much in a hurry. And, you know, I think sometimes when we just bail them out, some of those experiences aren't no big deal, and they don't learn from them. And, uh, yeah, it's easy to bail our children out of some of those things. Failure isn't fatal. And that's one thing I like about Jesus. You know, Jesus says in the verse, there is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You know, think about that. Jesus never condemns us for our failures. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing, really. Think of that. Jesus never condemns us for our failures. He challenges our faith, yeah. Yeah. He does that, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't make a big deal about your failures. He doesn't condemn us for that. And maybe there, is there a difference there? Yeah. But I, I, I think, you know, I, I think that needs to be a lesson for us. But Jesus, when he, when he looks at our failures, he, he doesn't like, oh, man, he didn't do that again. I'm going to give him a week till I give him something else. You know, God doesn't get bogged down with our failures. He always looks at the positive and what we can do next. And, you know, how often do we do that? Oh, I can't believe my child did that again. I told him a hundred times to not do that, and he still did it. I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm on my wit's end. God doesn't get at his wit's end with us. He, he, he just continues to plug on and give us responsibility and continue to, to help us and teach us. And he does do like, like Peter does. You know, there's, there's sometimes he challenges our faith and he needs to teach us in neat ways. But he doesn't always say, oh, if he just wouldn't have done that or why did you do that again? I don't think Jesus ever asked that question. Why did you do that again? You know, how many times does parents do that? Is that necessary? To ask her, why did you do that again? Yeah, I think they need to think about their mistakes. But I think that whining and that continual um, demeaning parent that criticizes them for another mistake is, is not good for children. Let's look at the positive. How can we not allow it to happen again? Or what can we do that this doesn't happen again? You know, you know that, that's, that's a better way to look at it. Um, you know, that, that's too bad that it happened, but let's... let's uh, now, Sandra, I know you wrecked the car, but guess what? I, you, when you get to a stop sign, I think you're going to do better from here out. I think you're going to look three times, and I think there's going to be a lot learned. I'm just glad you weren't hurt. Failure isn't fatal. I'd rather have my children fail sometimes at home and learn from it. I talked about that earlier. You know, are we allowing our children to make the mistakes while we're at home and mom and dad can still get them through it? Or are we 
not allowing them to make those mistakes. I don't ever want you to have a topic or talk at church. I'm, I'm just afraid you can't do that. Or I don't ever want you to, because we want to protect them from that failure. And then when they get older, they want to do some of these things, and we're not there to teach them. And same with responsibility. Here's an interesting th- uh, quote, or not a quote, study that was made. What do you think the number one things grandparents would do different? Number one things, they asked a bunch of grandparents, what's the number one? How many grandparents do we have here? Oh, a lot of grandparents. Wow. 20 years ago, we didn't have any grandparents, right? Something like that. Number one thing grandparents would do different is, and maybe that's not the case for you here, I do less for my children and teach them to do more for themselves. Interesting. I do less for my children and teach them to do more for themselves. And I can see how that's really an issue for the world. Maybe we wouldn't say that here, but it is, it is an issue in our society. I do less for my children and teach them to do more for themselves. And uh, I think that's what's nice about having eight children. You just can't do everything for all your children, can you? You know, you just can't take them all to the ball game. You just can't, you know, that, and uh, think about it. You know, if, if you'd be in the world where it's okay to have one or two children, that's all you have, you, you would want to do everything for your children, right? And I enjoy that, telling them, hey, we've got eight children. We just can't go to the restaurant every month like some families do. Yeah, we just, that's a lot of people. I just, we didn't got that much money to do it. So that's all right. You know, if I would be running you all to the ball game down at Gap every week, could you imagine... I wouldn't have any time left. We just can't do everything. And I, I think that's okay for our children to understand that. And I, I think uh, that's a big problem with society. Our children are becoming, what is the word they call it, narcissism, where they expect everybody, look up to them, everybody gives them everything. They expect everything from the world, everything from their parents. And too many children in our society are getting everything from their parents. Parents are trying to live out their lives and their children, and they're determined to do everything right and everything for them and building their children out, never letting them feel, and not giving them every responsibility because you don't want to be too tough. And I, I think we are reaping, reaping big time because of that. So continue doing what our culture has taught us. And I, and I think the Amish in our culture has taught us to do that well. It's teaching responsibility. Um, it's big. Leaders do that. Church leaders do that. Luke 16, 10, one of my favorite passages. I like to talk to to children at school and things on this. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with a lot. Jesus says that, and he was particularly, I think, talking to uh, people about their money matters. You know, if I can trust you with a little bit of money that I give to you, or with your money situations, I can trust you with, how's the verse go? Trusted with a lot. Um, let me turn to Luke 16, 10. I think there's more to that that I want to read there. I'm going to read in the NIV. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly, in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And I think the true riches that God wants to trust us with, you know, if, 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 he, if he can't trust you there with, with your worldly wealth, the money that you have on this earth, the secular things, how can God trust you with greater things, which is people's lives, ministering to other people? And I, I think it's, it's, it's so important for us to teach our children responsibility and discipline in their lives and, and things like that there, that we can teach them and the children and, and that Jesus wants to grab a hold of. If, we, if those, that discipline is taught when they're younger, if responsibility is taught when they're, they're younger, 
God can entrust those people with so many greater things when they get older. And I, I, I just, even in our beachy churches, I'm, 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 I'm shocked how the lack of discipline, uh, children don't have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to work anymore. They get up whenever they feel like it. They don't even have to have jobs anymore. They, they can sit around to dinner time. They can be on their computers and the Facebook. And we're, we're developing a bunch of passive people, even in, 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 even in the Amish circles. They're not living on farms. They're living in houses. The mom and dad have plenty of money. They go on vacations. They do what they want. And, and we're developing a lot of, uh, of children that don't have discipline anymore. And I think that's too bad. I always tell with this verse here, you know, if God can't trust you with the little things in life, how can he entrust you with the big things? And that might be picking up your socks. You know, I, some people always say, oh, that's no big deal. It's just a pair of socks. It costs maybe a dollar. You know, let them outside. Oh, my socks are outside. So what? Socks. Who cares about socks? You know, but I, I think we, if we can ingrain into our children that even the little things count, then God can slowly start trusting with their greater things. And these people, you know, they, oh, God doesn't give me this great calling to where I want to go. Well, guess what? He's still trying to teach you how to do the little things at church or at home or meet your neighbor next door or witness to your neighbor next door. Why should I call you to Africa if you can't even do that? But I think it starts with, we can start that with our children. You know, hey, hey children, every night everything needs to be off the yard. There's nothing the matter with that. You take your socks off, they get back in the hamper wherever they need to go. Those little things teach responsibility that we take when we're older. You know, if, if, if you're not responsible and disciplined, are you going to be able to have a good personal devotions? If you, if you can't hardly get up at 9 o'clock in the morning to, you know, you, I mean, you can't get to work at 6 and you're getting up at 9 o'clock regularly, how, how are you going to get up early to have personal devotions before you have to go to work someday? You know, we have a bunch of lazy people that haven't been taught discipline, and I, I think that's something that us as parents can do well so that our children have the discipline when they get older to have their personal devotions, to visit old people even when they don't feel like it, to go to church even when they're tired, to talk to the neighbor even if it's unhandy. But now we have all these excuses, right? We're too lazy. We just haven't been taught that discipline. And I think we're reaping that in our churches and it's hurting us. Comments on that? Am I wrong? <clears throat> And discipline, you know, I, I'm saying that you don't need to be tough and, and have all these boundaries and roles. I just was preaching about that, right? But I think with that discipline, I'd like to see the responsibility thing. You know, how about, you know, there's creative ways to, uh, you know, if your socks don't come in, guess what? Next time we go to the store, we're pulling out $2 out of your penny bank and we're going to buy another pair of socks. And you think they're going to keep letting them out? You know, there's, there's creative ways to teach your children that that matters. And I think when, you know, sometimes we think those little things don't matter, but when those little things matter, the big things matter too. And uh, I, I think that's something that we need to uh, learn. All of us need to be trusted. We need someone who lets us prove ourselves. We need someone who lets us develop confidence. That's love. In 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about the uh, love chapter, one of his always trusts. And uh, <clears throat> it's hard to trust your children. I understand that it's hard to trust our employees all the time. But I, I, I think there's something beautiful about that. I got three or four employees that work for me. I usually, when I, when I do my customers, I spray yards. I got a whole list, a pack of invoices for each treatment. 
and I usually just I, I, I take my list and say, Dave, here's Gap, Parksburg, all the places down here. Here's a whole list. Do them. Just do it. I don't need to hear when you do it. You can, if you want to get up 10 o'clock, fine, whatever, just do them. I, mean, I want them done by the, by the end of the season. And so I, I think they appreciate that. I'm not, I'm not one of those that has to say, well, Dave, I want you to go here today, and I want you to do this place, and, and calling them up. They, 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 he takes ownership. That's his area. Gap is where Dave works, and Parksburg is where he works. If people call and complain about their yards down there, oh, yeah, Dave did that. Let's well, talk to Dave about that. And I, I, think, I think employees appreciate that. You know, they take pride, and that's the yard. You know, it's not one time I'm going down there, and the next time the other employee is going down there, and another one. And I think the same way with our children too. You know, give them the responsibility and give them ownership to that. That's that makes them um, feel trusted. My dad used to do that. I, I I guess that's why I like doing that. I I never remember my dad. Um, I never. I, I always felt growing up that I could tell my dad suggestions. You know, Dad. You know, why don't we chase this cow in this way? My dad listened to me. You know, and he. he see, my mom used to have a fit. Aren't you going to tell him how to do it? You know, Calvin, you're, you're milking the cows. You're 11 years old. We're going away. Um, I can remember my mom still talks about this. I, I didn't want to miss a day of school when I was in first grade. Never wanted to miss a day of school. I didn't then either. And so they were going to Florida, and I was in first grade, and uh, I wasn't going to get along. I was going to miss a day of school. And mom said she can still remember. First grader. It's at the airport, waving at mom and dad as they left and went to Florida. She said, oh, that was so hard. She couldn't believe it. She did that. But <laughs> I went to, I think, cousins or something like that for a week while they were going because uh, I wasn't going to miss school. But, you know, that's, that, that's what my dad, he, he allowed me to do what I wanted to do and gave me responsibilities, never said I couldn't do it. You know, he put me on the tractor when I was eight and drove with me, run around, and here you are, go for it. And, and I was pretty big, you know. I knew Dad trusted me, so I, I, I could hardly see him jump off and get the clutch, you know. But you know, he, he left me do it. Was he an irresponsible dad? You know, today's society maybe, but I, I think we kind of took that pendulum maybe too far, and we're not allowing our children to do enough. My girls amazing. My my, my wife, she she keeps struggling with her girls because. They just don't see the work. They, they, when she comes home and, and, and the place is a mess, last night, what, dishes, they didn't, they didn't yeah. Anyhow, it, it's amazing to me sometimes when she just goes away and says, the house is yours, I want you to come. When I come home, I expect, you know, that I, it's yours. And they kick in. I mean, I, my, my daughters make amazing meals sometimes and my wife is gone for a couple of days. But when she's around, they just, you know, they just... Don't get it done. It's, you know, when you give them the job and say you're now in charge, you know, we're going to stay out here tomorrow, and our 17-year-old's going to have to get the boys off to work, pack their lunch, and I, I imagine she'll do all right. But uh, uh, when when we're there, it just seems like, yeah, when you entrust them with the responsibility and say it's theirs, they tend to grab a hold of it and and, and do it. And I, I think we limit our children. I think that's one. Anybody else on on on, on that? teaching responsibility and, and leaders do that and Jesus did that another thing Jesus did number five is give people honest feedback and uh, we need that and you would say well how does he we talked about affirmation before but I, I think there's a place in our lives that leaders you know that we need correction we need honest feedback we all need an occasional correction um, 
Jesus often gave a, 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 a correction to somebody, but he always seemed to follow an, a correction with a positive after that. And I think that's a way that us as parents can learn to do that too. And, and I guess the scary part about doing that is, is correcting people and, 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 and telling them where they need to change is, is we're always worried that we're going to do it the wrong way. And I, you know, the wrong way can destroy someone and the right way can really build people up. And I think there's such, I don't know if you want to say there's a science to it, but I think there's such a, a right way to correct people without hurting their character or hurting them as a person. And, and I think a good leader just knows how to do that. And I think a poor leader doesn't do that at all. He, he doesn't want the challenge of, yeah, I, 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 I just don't see it. You know, they just, some leaders just don't want to see the mistakes their children are making or you know, they can miss misbehaving on the bench every form and they're just looking the other way. They know something's not going right, but they're just not in the mood to straighten their children out right then. You know, you're wise. It's amazing how the dad can sit on the lazy chair and the children can be running around and be a mess and the men just don't see it, right? Or maybe it's just my wife that has that problem. But, um, you know, some of us have a way of not seeing issues and, 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 and we're too lazy to make corrections. But I think a good leader will make the corrections where it's necessary, but he knows how to do it in the right way. And uh, maybe we can uh, talk about that and uh, discuss a little bit how to do that. And I, I think the correction comes without condemning. You know, I, I don't... Um, uh, how, how do we correct our children? Let's make some of your comments. How do, how do you correct your children without being condemning to them, without hurting them as a, but doing it right? What are your thoughts? We all know we need it. I need it, and it's, and it's, it's harder yet with adults. Let's, let's do it maybe the safe way with our children. How do we correct our children without hurting them as individuals? If you want to be real daring, how do you do that to adults? Yeah, that's a, that, that's, that's, that's a good idea. And Jesus did that, right, with his parables and things like that there. He was correcting his disciples and things often with, with, with stories. Um, you know, I am, I'm trying to think of, uh, oh, just when, when he talked about the uh, tearing down the barns and, and building bigger ones. Do you, you know what the issue was there? Someone, someone came up to Jesus and said, hey, my brother is fighting with me. He's not giving me my inheritance. You know, Jesus could have just said, oh, stupid, fighting over inheritance. Don't you know that uh, things on this earth are all going to burn? And why are you fighting over the inheritance? Money means nothing. What did Jesus do? He gave a nice story, right? And I think he walked away. He didn't tell. He didn't point fingers. He didn't say, well, tell your brother this and tell the brother he should share 50%. But I think the man walked away with that story knowing exactly what he needed. And that's good. I think parents will do that, tell stories and instances to teach, to correct. Um, Samuel did it to David, right? When the, uh, or was that Nathan? Nathan, right? When he came up to him and said... Uh, um, about Bathsheba, you know, what would I do if, if, if someone would have, uh, you know, you remember that story with Bathsheba? He did that, and I, I think that lesson was big to David. It was a neat way to approach David. Yeah, same way. And Jesus did it in, in, in a way that she could take it off, right? Yeah. Jesus had such a neat way of doing it, and I think there's some neat stories in, in, in the Bible on that. And I, I think there's, I, I think it's sad in a church that, that things can go wrong, and maybe in a home too, but things can go wrong for so long and we know it, that that brother has an issue or that sister has an issue, and we, we, we're just too scared to correct. 
because we're going to afraid we're going to do it the wrong way. But I think there's such a beauty in, correct, in, in correcting and making things right. I, I know some of the best times in camp were after we solved the problem, we solved an issue. You just, you just felt good about that. And I, I think, you know, we don't need to, we shouldn't be scared of problems and issues within the church or within the family. Or I, I think we should face them head on. But there's such a, a right way to do it and, and so many wrong ways to do it. But I, I think good leaders know how to do that. Check your own motive. You know, we know this. Never correct in anger or when frustrated. And, and I think there's sometimes that we just need to, you know, oh, I would love to lay into him right now. Go home, pray about it for a while, and then go back and talk to them. And some of us need to do that with our children, too. You know, there, there's times that we're just not fit to straighten out that child. They just made us angry. And, and we need to hold off a little bit. And I think that's uh, something we need to wait on. Ephesians 4.29, don't use harmful. Let me turn to that. Read that quickly. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And I like the word grace. We should every, anytime we go up to somebody, I think they should feel the grace. I really, I know you made a mistake, but it's, it's okay. I'm here to give you grace. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to help you through. And uh, Jesus did that, right? Jesus did that so very well. He, he was, you know, we, sometimes we spend so much of our time trying to prove how bad the person is. They usually know that. Let's, let's get that out of the way. This is, this is the problem. Let's go to the grace part. Let's go to the, to the positive outlook, how we're going to do it different the next time. And, uh, and I, I think that, that'll help. And it's always interesting to me in how some people at our house, in our family, um, we get together. It's my wife just laughs at us, and the rest of the in-laws laughs at us. I mean, when my family gets together, we just nonstop talking about people, and that's just that's what we do. I don't know. Maybe we're a bad family, but you know, engines don't really matter to us. And, but we we just talk about people. That's, that's, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's bad. I don't know, but. I kind of have this feeling that people are the only thing I'm taking to eternity, so I, I, I doubt if we'll be talking about our cars and our tractors and our engines in heaven. You know, we'll probably be talking what, about people. I don't know. So that, that's kind of what our family does. We just talk about people. And some people say, oh, them laps are so weird. Oh, they're gossip all the time. All they do is talk about people. Well, they're kind of right. That's kind of what we do. But um, I don't know. Is there a right way? Is, is that okay to talk about people? Is, is that gossiping all the time? Or is, is there a good way to do it? I mean, we, I, we probably talked about a half hour about everybody in our church. I, I don't know. But uh, it, you know, maybe I, I think there's, a, there's, do I have five minutes or is it over? Is, is it over? I didn't hear the bell. That's probably a good time to stop because I'm starting to talk about something that I probably shouldn't tread on too much anyhow. But anyhow, yeah. I, 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 maybe I'll quickly give you the other two points, and I didn't have a lot on them. And in the, the sixth one is treat people as equals. The seventh one is people should be prayed for. Maybe I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit tomorrow night. But tomorrow night I want to talk about on, on how to lead from the middle of the pact. All right? Thanks for your time. I, thanks for your discussion. That made it fun.